0: Welcome back, everybody. It's episode 51 of Thoughts from the Shade. I just want to start this episode with a quick uh, announcement slash correction. Uh, I think last week on the pod, I was pumping uh, tacos and tailpipes at Menard Premium Detailing this upcoming weekend. And I think I said it was the 11th. It is confirmed Sunday, June 12th from 8 a.m. to 3 p.m. Uh, at Menard Premium Detailing in, uh, I believe it's Ivyland. Should have probably had the address cooked and ready to go, but the information is uh, where you need to find it, Instagram, Facebook, uh, MenardPremiumDetailing.com. Check their stuff out on YouTube, and obviously they are the best auto detail service in Bucks County, and they're one of the presenting sponsors of this show. So Bob and I will be there Sunday Checking out all the cars and having a blast. Uh, but let's just say what's up to Bomb? What's happening, Bomb?
1: What's up, G? I mean, I don't know about you, but it, it'll be in Warminster, just to be clear. Not Ivyland. Um So what's going on, man? How was your weekend?
0: Weekend was good. Uh, started out Friday. We did uh, put in a shift. over were at Sandy Run Country Club, uh, right around the corner from, from our beloved Lulu Country Club. Um, yeah, I don't know. 14-hour shift maybe 8 a.m to 10 30 11 p.m member guest it was my first member guest event had a blast uh big thank first you first as a guest or first period first period wow yeah yeah so it's time to uh time to op- open up the wallet and return the favor to my buddy peter who took me out there we had a blast um but it wasn't without controversy out there uh and I I don't mean to do this like even uh, Peter said he's like I don't want you to leave here and talk ill about Sandy Run but
1: uh oh this it, ought to be good
0: it's got to be discussed so basically the format of the member guest uh, the one day member guest on Friday uh, there were fourteen flights four teams in each flight and they were grouped by handicap so you played a team of two you know that was in a similar skill level and. We just happened to be in a flight of three teams due to a late cancellation. Uh, so it was th- three nine-hole matches you're supposed to play, you know, each team once. We played, uh, we played two matches, and then we played the third round, the third nine, against net par and accumulated points that way. So it was all based on points, you know, based on your matches, and then unfortunately for our flight, the, th- the third nine for each group – Against Nat Parr. Uh, so our first match, we come out, come out wait, firing. Wait,
1: just, 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 just to like, set the, the playing field here, you and your partner are obviously partners. You're playing against another two-man team, right? How many teams are in your flight?
0: There was only three in our flight, but there was four in every other flight. Four in every other flight. Yes. So,
1: okay, so that threw off, I suppose, the, the way this should have worked.
0: Yes, Got it. it. It certainly did. Uh, we played our first match against one of the other teams. We won the match. We accumulated some points. The second match was very tight. We were down one through six. Um, seventh hole was a short par four. We bombed drive, both of us, to like 70 yards. Um, our opponent also bombed drive, but he was a little bit right now. Sandy Run's going through a little renovation. They they got some new trees planted, and they grant uh, some pretty generous relief from these trees. It's it's part of the club rules. Uh, my partner said that it's been granted to him previously. So this guy,
1: in 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 competition, in
0: competition, in competition. So this this our opponent hits hits his drive the farthest, but he's in the rough by these newly pr- planted trees, and his follow through might have struck the tree so he was granted relief he puts it to i don't know eight feet uh my partner puts it on the green but not a great birdie look and then your your boy right here sticks to about six or eight feet but mine's down the hill our opponent's putting up the hill he ultimately drains the pot for three so now the pressure's on me because go down two with two to go or we have it and die another day Step up, get the line right, bottom of the cup,
1: Well, oh, I mean, never a doubt with the spider in your hand, g
0: never a doubt uh we ultimately peter t- fucking parker we 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 took uh we took the eighth hole uh to ultimately even up the match and it's then all square going into all nine. all square going into nine, and ultimately we have nine, have the match with team two so uh, you
1: won match one have match two,
0: correct, got it, and then we played round three, nine holes uh against net par. We accumulated a decent amount of points. We thought it was enough. Uh, my partner made a big birdie uh, on the second to last hole uh, to give us a few extra points. We thought it was enough. Uh, we were up a half point going into the third nine on the team that we halved with. They ultimately beat team one, I'll say, by a half point more than we did. So we ultimately we ended up tying in points in our flight, flight seven.
1: And and a tiebreaker was biggest margin of victory in one of your matches?
0: Yes, against the actual other two human beings, not in the par match. Um, You know, I was just curious. and I I was the guest, so I wasn't making a fuss. But I was just curious, like, if there was a fourth team of two guys and we we still tied, how would they have determined the tiebreak in that scenario? Like, I was ready to go play a whole... Maybe do a par three, maybe a little putting contest, you know, s- something. But they ultimately said it was their performance against the other physical, actual human team, and the guys we halved with beat them by a half point more than we did. They ultimately made the playoff. So
1: when you say half point, what do you do? You mean against net par? It wasn't like a match play thing, or what was it, the? It wasn't was match.
0: It was it was match play. I think you got a half of a point if you split the hole. With the other team, both teams got a half point. If you won the hole, you got a point. There was 10 points to be had on each nine-hole round.
1: I mean, obviously, I wasn't there. I've never never played in this event we're speaking of. But it seems to me that your finish was determined based off of the third-place team's the third place team's performance against the team you were up against. It just doesn't s- seem to pass the sniff test if you're asking the bomb.
0: Yeah. Those guys didn't, didn't do us any favors. Um, but it, it was what it was, you know, my, my, my partner, the member, he made his case in the pro shop. He was, really? uh, he was MF and. Oh, really? He said, he's not going to let them live it down. You know, we conversed with a lot of other competitors, uh, after the third round, as they were gathering scorecards and determining the playoff and, a lot of folks sided with us, and, and the, the guys that we tied with were great guys. They played great. We had a great match. It was nothing against them. Well, we were just I mean, uh, hang we, on. We just wanted to keep playing.
1: Hang on, great guys.
0: I mean, that the relief rule was hang the on. relief let's rule. Go, man. Let's go
1: back. No, I don't want to hear about the relief rule. Had it been a man made object, okay, I would have said great. Grant the guy the relief. You may not have, but. We know your precedents with, uh, pr- the precedent with man-made objects. This was a tree. So when you say his follow-through could have hit the tree, I mean, any golf course I go to, my follow-through could hit a tree, and you know what you do? You hit a fucking three-quarter swing.
0: Yeah, but because they're, like, newly planted, it's like a, it's like a temporary rule. Yeah, I... I- i mean that is it hurt it hurt man it hurt
1: that is one of the most bogus rules i've ever heard in my life and look man i know you said you 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 can't kill sandy run i'll kill them right now i think it's a disgrace that relief was granted i think it's a disgrace that the tiebreaker was basically your performance relative to the competition i mean it's got to be something else it's got to be how many birdies you had right because that's kind of an objective measure it's not related to how many points you had against a team that took two sevens on that hole. You know what I mean? It's got to be something else, how many pars you had that day.
0: I agree. I thought I thought there should have been some factor just between us and those guys and, and not factoring in the performance of the third team. But it was what it was. You know, we spectated. It was cool. Like, all 14 flight winners played the first hole together, then they shaded down to top five and ties, and then they played the next hole, and everybody's – Drinking, following with carts, so the pressure the pressure would have been high to play in that playoff. But hey, but you're G, man. I, I wanted it, man. Like I, I get ice in the veins. I made knocking
1: that, down downhill putts in with the spider.
0: Yeah, I made that like five hours before for for a shot at that, and and we got no shot, so it hurt. But ultimately, it was uh it was a great time. Uh, super thankful to my buddy for for taking me out and got to return the favor at some point. But no, we were totally taken care of. It was a great event. Sandy Run track's great. Greens are flying. It's in great shape uh breakfast lunch dinner booze refreshments on the course uh hell of a time over there a lot of lot of characters and uh ultimately not the result that we wanted but but it it was a good time so well maybe we'll get them next year maybe we'll uh we'll get them at another event uh maybe maybe at the Lou or something but
1: so what's the etiquette there G because I've never played in a uh a member guest is it uh you know does the member cover the nut for the guest and then assuming they're getting the return favor basically you'd cover the nut for for him coming over to your club how's this, what's the etiquette like
0: that's what it's got to be because uh I was treated I was treated on Friday the me- the member covered most. I put up some wow. money for skins I put up some cash for a putting contest but I can I can't imagine that that really made much of a dent into uh the fee for the member guests. so like I said super appreciative super grateful and uh, we'll definitely have to return the favor uh, in a big way, at some point. But yeah, I mean, I I had the birdie. Uh, I don't know how you spent your weekend. Well, but, but uh, I I, there, I think there was a different type of bird involved. So we figured we'd we'd get this on on air as well.
1: Friday afternoon, the bomb is is working hard. I'm a guy who works hard. I work right to the end of that clock on a Friday, right? I'm sure. And uh, it's it's right around 2.30 2 30 in the afternoon. And the bomb is thinking about shutting it down. You know, he gets an early start on a Friday because he's got to get, get cut out and hit, hit the uh, hit, hit the course. And uh, answering a couple emails, wrapping things up, keeping everybody happy. And it uh, sounds like someone broke into my home. I mean, I'm up in the home office. It sounds like somebody broke into the house. I come barreling down uh, with nothing but my bare fists, uh, uh, you know, n- no weaponry at all, ready to just protect the crib, Under Armour style, we must protect this house. And I'm looking around, and there's a bird, you know, basically staring at the damn window. I don't know how he got in. Uh, initially, you know, it's a bl- blackbird, a little tiny thing. Initially, I was like, is that a is that a fucking bat? So my man G is Spider-Man. I thought the bomb was going to turn into Batman. <laughs> um, so finally, I, 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 I verify the species. Uh, this is a bird. This is not a bat. Uh, I, I, I attach a box to an end of a Swiffer. You know, Swiffer has that, like... You know, kind of that rotating detachable. type of head, right? And I'm yeah. like, let me, let me see if I can catch this thing to no avail. This thing's flying all over. Anyway, the long and the short of it. I'm battling this bird for two hours. I'm sweating. I'm like literally trying to keep this bird contained in the front room where it's staring out the window. I don't want it to enter the rest of the house. And the bird breaks free out of that room. So now the bird is in the kitchen staring out the kitchen window. And I'm literally like right on top of this bird trying to like get it in this box and it's just staring at me. It like won't take the bait. It's like perched up on like the wind in, in like the blinds for the window. And like maybe for five minutes I did the Noah method. I was using like biblical, I was trying to literally use godlike powers to to get this bird to to leave. I was like compelling it with like jesus behind me you know what i mean like come on bird go back to your house this bird didn't listen so finally it landed on the floor i got one of those big uh plastic tubs and i flipped it on top of the bird and i started walking it out the front door and the bird stared at the bomb the bird the entire time the birds like walking and flapping and the whole time it's just staring up uh you know through the through the plastic tub so i get to the front door swing the thing open Flip open the plastic tub, and the bird is still staring at me. I'm thinking, oh, my God, is it going to do a U-turn right back into the house? Oh, my God. I kid you not. One of the coolest things I've ever seen, the bird goes up into the air. It was like an Air Force show by this bird. It buzzed the top of the house. It flew around the perimeter of the property. It was putting on a show for the bomb. I would like to think the bird was appreciative of the bomb. So, yeah, for about 40 seconds, this bird was doing a flight around the house before it went off into the ether. And I, th- I battled this bird for two and a half hours. And, uh, you know, not, not the exact way you want to spend your Friday afternoon, but I said to myself, you know what? This has to translate tomorrow when I got a tea time. Bob made birdie during his round, shot an 84, his best score since Tobacco Road. So wh- all I got to say is this bird's welcome anytime, my friend.
0: Seriously, he was, he was looking up at you. He was probably, you know... Forcing something in, in into your into your brain, into your mind. it's birdie time, man. That's it's, right. He he was uh it, it was a calling. That's it, right. It sounds like that's nah, I just saw the video footage of like a the plastic box that you had flipped over this bird and I couldn't <laughs> tell what the hell was in it and, and it was the day I'm at Sandy Run, so I was like, What the hell is going on at <laughs> Bomb's house? So you, you kicked your weekend off uh you know, f- fighting a bird to get out of your house for two and a half hours. That's uh, that's some way to start the weekend. Anything? Any other notes uh, fr- from the weekend or nah. fr- from the bird? He's he's back out into the abyss. He's a free man.
1: The bird, I thought it was injured at first, but then it just put on – I mean, it was a pretty incredible show that the thing put on, like buzzing the top of the house. It like, kept flying back over me. It was kind of like – makes you wonder, you know what I mean? Do the birds know? Do they think I'm God? I don't know what's going on, but it was a pretty – Pretty cool, uh, I thought, uh, performance that the bird put on because I, I was initially I was like, "Is the bird injured? What's going on with the bird? You know, will the bird even fly?" And the thing just went and put a freaking show on.
0: Yeah, were you being called upon to to save the bird? But mm-hmm. it's interesting, man. You, you had a real connection with this bird. Sometimes that's what you need to start the weekend. Right. Um, you freed the bird, uh, and the Phillies, the front office, they freed the players. Of That's Joe Girardi. The uh the the nasty old man, uninspired, low testosterone, low energy spell of Joe Girardi. He was uh Joe Girardi. <laughs> he was canned on Friday. Uh and ultimately we see some immediate results. Sweep of the Los Angeles Angels. Uh, who, by the way, have lost 11 in a row, and I think at, at one point over the weekend, Mike Trout was in like the worst slump of his life, 0 yep. for 25-ish, somewhere in that range. Uh, not sure if it ended. That's what I heard in in Game Two of the the weekend series. But yeah, Joe Gir- Joe Girardi out. I gotta stop trying to say that. Uh, Rob Thompson in. Uh, I believe assistant Bobby Meacham was let go as well. Not sure. Uh, the scoop there, or or why that was, but ultimately the Phillies responded. Um, I mean, I I think this move was was a little little ways overdue. I mean, obviously Dude, it was
1: it was about three to five weeks overdue. He should have been canned on that Sunday night game when Angel Hernandez was, you know, yeah, that, botching all those strike calls, and he, he, I think that's when he lost the team.
0: You could talk about that game. That wasn't the same game where they blew the. The Cinco de Mayo, the seven-one yeah. lead in the ninth, yeah, like yeah. you could point to a number of games and instances that were fireable offenses, as you like to say. But it just, uh, I mean, I, I've I've said it, I, I've been tuned out, and it's just been low energy. Uh, this weekend was a step in the right direction, but even just from like the social media following and and even like watching the two-minute coverage on like Action News after you eat dinner. Like one night last week you got Joe Girardi saying, Oh, well, would it be a good thing if while we're losing all these games, these guys are yucking it up and cracking jokes? And then they go to a Reese Hoskins interview in the clubhouse, and he's like, Yeah, we're trying to stay loose and we're we're still having fun here. So clearly people weren't on the same page. Uh Girardi was canned and the the bats came to life. Uh the bullpen Sunday at least, still with uh with its usual antics, but I'll I'll send it over to you, Bob. I know I know you wanted to touch on uh, you know the slight dig that Bryce Harper had at Joe, or at least that's how some folks are interpreting it. But I don't know. We'll see. We'll see if they can sustain it. I'm I'm not uh I'm not all the way back, but we'll we'll keep an eye on it. And it's it's good they took action.
1: Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I would have I would have died to have been a fly on the wall with Dombrowski and, you know, letting Girardi go and whether or not Middleton was involved in it. Um, I would have mother f Girardi right out of town. I would have drove him to the airport myself and told that Yankee fuck to get the hell out of here. Um, couldn't stand him when he was a manager for the Yankees. Couldn't stand him when he was a manager for the Marlins. And c- couldn't stand him when he was a manager for the Phillies. Um, you know... Granted, it's three games, but they put up 26 runs, nine runs per game. And my thing was the offense just looked so much more relaxed. It was like, I don't know, they grip. I don't know if it's like something as simple as gripping the bat, you know, a little lighter, but the ball seemed to carry. It, it's getting a little warmer. You know, I think th- this move heading into the summer is going to set this team up for some success. And to your point on Harper – you know, they asked him after the game, you know, obviously Sunday, Sunday's game, they're down 6-2, bases loaded, bottom of the eighth, 3-2 two count, two outs, Harper goes, yeah, ties the game up, comes barreling around first base, pumping the fist. They're down in the ninth. You mentioned the bullpen woes, Stott wins it with the, uh, the walk-off dinger. And uh, they asked him after the game, asked Bryce Harper after the game, and uh, <clears throat> he said uh, – The thing about Bryson is he's got to play. Now, keep in mind, Stott is a Las Vegas guy. Harper's a Las Vegas Vegas guy. Vegas boys. They're buddies. You know, we talk a lot about Jalen Hurts and and Devontae and even A.J. Brown and just this idea that these guys all know each other. They know what makes them tick. It it really has the makings of a great team when you have players that know the ins and outs of their teammates. And Harper – hit the nail on the head. We talked about it before the season started. He said about Stott, the thing is about Bryson is he's got to play. He's used to playing every day from high school to college to minor league baseball to now. He's used to playing every day, and that's what we've got to do for our young guys. Um, You know, he he went on to say when they have those opportunities, I think they're going to take full advantage of them. He continued, if that's Bryson, if that's Maton, if that's Alec Bohm or anybody else, we need our young guys to come in each day and be ready to play. And knowing that we have faith in them to go out there and do their job and have fun doing it. I mean, what was it, March, February, when we were sitting here talking about the fact that this team, obviously they signed the big names. You're going to get production out of these guys. And, yeah, you know, I ripped on um, Schwarber last episode. You know, the guy the guy will hit. I don't know if we'll hit 300, but the guy is going to hit. And you you need that production. You need that spark. You need that juice from some of these younger guys who can stir the drink, so to speak, a little bit with some of the vets. And it just seemed like Girardi would lean on these veterans, whether it's Gregorius, whether it's Adubo Herrera. Guys who have either been washed for five years, or it's not that they're washed up. They just never have been. They're, like, literally never have been. It's like Adubo Herrera. And, And you just sit there and you scratch your head. The guy doesn't run a ball out. The guy makes a misplay on defense. And he starts the next game, and he gives this leash to these veterans that he refused to give to the young guys to work through their struggles. So, in my mind, that's what's been holding this team back for years, Uh, playing veterans who fucking stink.
0: You don't want to watch Odubo Herrera swing at a ball that's literally going between his legs anymore?
1: We've seen all we need to see. I mean, I thought in August of last year, I said, well, great, I'll never have to watch this guy ever again. And then we proceeded to trot him out there. It's great that Moniac's now healthy. It's great that Stott is going to play more. I mean, even Maton, like, how many times has this guy been up? And he's had some big hits, Definitely played some good defense, but we just never throw the guy out there. And all they talk about is, like, well, maybe he's not a prospect. Maybe he's not a top 100 guy. I don't care. I mean, he's he's got to be better than, than the veterans that
0: they are throwing out there. Yeah, you already know what those guys are that have been in the league for, what, five, seven, nine years. Like, you, you know what those guys are, and it just feels like a common theme across, like, our – Flailing teams in Philly, like the Phillies, the Flyers, the Sixers, like these coaches just want to lean on guys that that have tenure in the league, yep. but like th- they they've already reached their ceiling and they're probably not even playing to their ceiling anymore. Uh, and like th- they have like a middle of the road floor, if not like a dog shit floor at this point in their careers. And then you have guys where we they're young, we don't know what they are, uh, and we we just yank them in, pull them up send them down and it's just not, it's not good for their development. Um, And and it ultimately ruins these guys. So I was happy to hear that Bryce said what he said, you know, hopefully the new coach Thompson and management is, is kind of listening to that because, you know, you got to be on the same page. Everybody's got to be on the same page. And we, we said it before the season, just let the, just let the kids play sink or swim you know what you got in the Herreras, the D.D.s, like you said? Um, let the kids play, man.
1: Well, you remember, and, you know, I'll make, I'll make kind of a hockey analogy. I mean, you know, Joe Girardi would play four or five Keith Yandels every night if he could. Oh, my God. Just pencil them right into the lineup. Um, but you remember all the hype and the big contract that was signed before we even played a major league game, Scott Kingery. And keep in mind, this was uh, before Girardi came on board. Um, so some of this is at the feet of Kapler, some of this is at the feet of uh, Matt Clentak. When you're a young player and you've played a position, presumably through high school, up through college, minor leagues, and you come up to the big leagues, like Harper said it all, they got to play and, and they got to know their names penciled in the lineup, but it's also more about feeling comfortable about where you're playing on defense because in the at the big leagues, defense – always comes first. It would be hard to believe uh, I'm saying that after watching the Phillies for a few months. I mean, obviously they don't give a shit about defense, just how the team's built, but generally at the big league level, defense comes first. If you can't pick it, you're not going to get on the field unless you're an American League DH. And you just think about what they did with Kingery and this idea that the guy had four gloves and you know he's picking it at third, he's picking it at second, he's got to play short, he's got to run out there and play center. And you're going to see some of the same bullshit, and I hope Thompson doesn't do it. But with you know Gregorius retur- returning to the team on Sunday, and Gene Segura sidelined until September, it's going to be you know slamming uh, slamming Stott at second, slamming Mayton at second, like like I said before the season. I- I've seen all I need to see from D.D. De- De- Gr- Gregorius. Gregorius. You know, unless you want to ship him back up to New York and stuff him in the pinstripes. And let the guy just back shoulder balls over that little three hundred two wall in right field. I, I I just can't see it. So hopefully they don't repeat that mistake. I think these guys not only need to play consistently, they need to play at one position consistently.
0: Yeah, I agree. But no, it's, they just got to play. I mean, Harper saying that, like that's a guy what, who's getting paid. Yeah, by the way. when you're when you're vets, when that's how your vets feel, that's that's what you got to do, you know, and. He's performing. I mean, he's got a bum elbow. He's not playing the field, but he's still, I mean, three home runs over the weekend. He's fucking raking. He's clutch. He's raking, man. And, like, I say I'm out on the Phillies and I'm not tuning in and everything, but, like, I can't knock Bryce Harper. I mean, he's got to be the best athlete in Philly right now, right?
1: 100%. And you think about a guy like Harper and what he does for you in right field – like, he'll lay out for a ball, he'll run into a wall. Not not that you want that from a guy that you're paying all that money to and a guy with his bat. Like, in some ways, you kind of probably would prefer he takes Bobby Abreu's route in right field. <laughs> but he's sitting in the dugout. All he can do is hit because of his, his elbow. And he's probably sitting there thinking to himself, like, where is the fucking juice coming out there on the field? It ain't coming from anyone in the outfield with Schwarber playing left and Castellanos and right. Like, those guys just need to catch balls that are hit to them. But in center, like, can we go with a younger guy? Why do we need to see Herrera? Like, up the middle, can we go with a younger guy that's going to lay out for a ball and make a play? Like, it's, it, it's it's such a no-brainer. And that's the thing that's most infuriating about our sports teams. I don't know if you want to maybe transition a little bit into just, like, a general comment about Philadelphia sports.
0: Yeah, so obviously with the Phillies winning over the weekend, uh, I, ter- I flick on the radio Monday. And just like he was doing for the Sixers with the playoffs after the wins, he's got the tunas dialing up the bells and and the commentator calls of all the big plays from over the weekend (laughs) for the Phillies. Now with, with this three game sweep and I'm talking about the cuz our buddy, Anthony Gargano. And, you know, we talked about Mikey miss last week. I just want to set, set the record on the cuz I I, I'm a cuz guy. Like, like I I know his shtick is like fun in the sun, pie in the sky, like, most things are good, um, but you know he never he never really gives it to callers. He lets everybody say their piece. He he's a lover. Um, yeah, it just seems like a nice guy. Yeah, like, he's not gonna kill you. So this isn't uh, this 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 isn't really personal with the Cuz. Uh, big fan of the Cuz, and I'll leave it at that. But he fired out a tweet. I think it was Sunday a- after the Phillies completed the sweep, and you know you see Barstool sending out the picture of the guy. We're talking about the fightings. I mean, they do that after every win. Dude,
1: that is one of the worst things going right now. It's unbearable.
0: We're we're still 11 games out. We're still four or five games under 500, but we're talking about the fightings. Yeah, we're doing it. But here's the tweet from the cuz. It's very easy as a Philly sports fan to become cynical, and I completely understand it. We've been let down so many times. Sometimes you just got to live in the moment and enjoy the journey. Um, I just, I just found it interesting. He kind of preached the same deal about the Sixers, although the Sixers were to me much more of like a we got to get to the finals or like this is a complete failure. And it's hard to enjoy the journey when you you can see even watching the NBA Finals and the Eastern Conference Finals like. The Sixers weren't anything close. To so that. far away. Yeah, they're so far away, and now with the Phillies, with with one weekend sweep over. Yeah, the Angels are a good team. They got Trout. They got they got Shohei. Uh, you know, decent record, but they lost eleven in a row. Like I said, Trout, one of the worst slumps of his career. Like, I'm not trying to like poop everybody, but I'm not like an enjoy the journey guy. Like, no. I've been enjoying the journey of being a Philadelphia sports fan for, I would say, thirty years. But let's let's be realistic; maybe twenty-two or twenty years. Yep. Uh, you know, with with memory serving me there, and it's not an enjoyable journey. No, it, it, it's horrific. Like the the Phillies, what you win once every thirty years. The, the Eagles, you you win uh with your backup quarterback, your first Super Bowl. Yeah, it takes like a ever. miracle in order to
1: win something. The
0: the Flyers ha- haven't sniffed the cup since the mid seventies. I mean, they made the run of the Cup final, and they had some good teams in the nineties. And, and early that 2000s. loss was one of
1: the worst. Like nobody knew what happened. Like yeah, like, the
0: biggest backbreaker of a goal ever allowed by Michael Layton. And then what? The Sixers haven't won since like eighty. And
1: your best memory of the Sixers was the AI step over on Teron Liu, and they proceeded to lose four straight. Now, granted, that team was nowhere near the the quality of that Lakers team. But that's your best memory as a Sixers fan.
0: 21 years to the day today here was was the step over of, of Teron wow. Liu. But, yeah, I mean, so what? They they make a finals appearance like once every 20 years. Um, I, I can't enjoy the journey. Like, I, I can't just – we fired Joe Girardi. We got an interim manager. You know, the bats come alive. Against and, a
1: team that's won, or lost 11 straight.
0: And, and I, I'm supposed to enjoy the journey. Um, I don't know, because there's still a lot of journey to be played out. Uh, the bullpen still has its issues. I think the lineup is is solid and obviously has shown flashes that it can hit. But I, I, I don't believe that right now this is a playoff team. I certainly don't believe that this is like a World Series team. So why should I enjoy the journey when, you know, late August or September comes around? you know and we're five out we need we need a big sweep or a big series win and we're going to get swept by like the Marlins or the Nationals like how, how am i how am i supposed to enjoy that journey when I, I i know how it ends
1: yeah and we've seen two championships in 30 plus years at least for as long as i've been on this planet you know remember all the stuff with like the cubs you know the the curse of the billy goat you had uh You know, the Red Sox, Curse of the Bambino. The Cubs respectively went 107 seasons um, between titles, 1908 and 2016. The White Sox uh, went 87 seasons, 1917 to 05, that team with Canerco. The Boston Red Sox went 85 seasons between 1918 and 2004, the year they finally broke through. The Phillies went 77 fucking seasons. 1903 and 1980 and then another 28 seasons between that this is a franchise and i'm assuming he's talking about baseball right he's making a general comment but it's in in baseball season this is a franchise that currently has the second longest postseason drought in all of baseball Uh, second only to seattle seattle has missed the playoffs for 20 straight seasons the Phillies have missed the playoffs for 10 straight seasons. They haven't made it since Ryan Howard shredded his Achilles. Uh, the third team is the Tigers at seven. I mean, this is a team that has just been totally inept for a decade. And to hear this talk of, like, enjoying the journey, where's the journey end? Because my my entire career as a fan, aside from two fucking seasons, basically the journey has taken me to the gates of fucking hell. Uh, you know, this team... All these teams do—they just—they—they they suck your cash and they let you down. Uh, and and the, the analogy I'll equate it to—and I don't mean to make light of it, G—but like being a Philadelphia sports fan, it, it's like being a drug addict. Like there, there's nothing good that ever comes of it. It just costs you money and it harms relationships with the people that you love.
0: Yeah, no, I, I think I think the point that resonates the most with me is like. It's all about where the journey ends. Yeah. And, and, and this this journey, it, it never ends well. So, like, I guess I'm repeating myself, but how, how are you supposed to enjoy it when you, like, I just know, like, you know uh, that the Phillies maybe have a little push in them. August comes around, they're five out. September comes around, they're five out. Yeah, they will fold. And they they play some donkey of a team, four game series they lose four straight. Marlins. Like until 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 they they get over one of those humps like that and they they sweep a big series or they actually show up in a big spot like a three game set at the end of May or early June. That's not a big spot. It's just it's not a big spot. Sure, it's it could parlay into something and it's nice that they responded to the firing, but I'd almost equate it to like getting out of like a toxic relationship. Like at first you're like fired up to like be single, get back out there with the boys, you know, go, go talk, go talk to new people. But then ultimately in your downtime, like you still had feelings for that person. I'm not saying that anybody had feelings for Girardi. I'm just comparing the situation. Like, you're still like hurting for a bit, like at some point, and like it's not just like a an instant return to to glory is kind of the point that I'm making, and I I don't see how that how that happens across like a long baseball season with the team that we've got constructed and based on past performance.
1: The, th- the thing that just bothers me are are these people that. And I like you said it. Like I love the cause. Great guy by all accounts. Like really, really good guy. And and he's a fan. Like he's got his shtick. He 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 goes overboard. It's just what he does. You know what I mean? But like, when's the last time you, you saw Philadelphia sports team that like overperformed relative to the expectations? Um, you know, maybe that maybe that Sixers team in 0-1.
0: Were the Were the Eagles when Wentz went down?
1: You could say that, but that that when you when you reflect on that team and you saw that roster and like the years those guys had, they had the best O line in football. They had one of the best D lines in football. Like that kind of made sense. Um, and yeah, they win with the backup, but like I don't I don't know that they that they overperformed. Like on the Phillies, could you say maybe the '93 Phillies? Right, like they clearly overperformed um flyers i mean i most of the time those teams underperform so like there's never even even in a city like philadelphia where you have the Rocky statue and everyone talks about the underdog our teams aren't under underdogs and they never perform when they're underdogs they are always overhyped always overhyped and they always perform under expectations
0: that's a fact i i totally agree um yeah no it's the truth and i said it last week about us overvaluing our players uh it happens and i i I don't know why why that is uh and i just feel like you know people see names and names coming in and well they're not seeing like what what other teams are doing and, and how they're performing and these teams that are just in the mix year in and year out like the only the only team that that really has an argument there in the city is the Eagles. That that they're they're always always competitive. Who's been saying that? That's your that's your shtick, Bob. And, and I don't I don't disagree. Um, but yeah, it's we're not underdogs. We we just stink and we we never we never ever perform. We just con- constantly you know the the month or six weeks leading up to every respective season, no matter what team what sport. It's all hype. It's all best-case scenarios. It's all dinger season and hitting season, and this team's going to rake. And we win win one series. We sweep one series, and all of a sudden, like, we're supposed to be back on board. Well, we're still 11 games out in the division and still four or five games out of the wild card and have dug this big-ass hole early in the year.
1: I do think some of
0: the the issues
1: with this city – relative to, like, the narrative that goes on on Sports Talk Radio as well as what you see online is – I mean, I hate to call anybody out, but, like, you look at these personalities that are on Twitter and they're the most hyperbolic people out there. There's never any rational arguments or statements about the team. It's always, oh, this is dreadful or, oh, my God, they're back. And that's another thing that just really bothers me about, you know, a select portion of this fan base where – They're the loudest voices, but yet they never hold anybody fucking accountable in this town. Um, They're the first ones to jump on Howie Roseman and talk about how bad he is at drafting. But then, you know, the minute the Phillies win a series or somebody has a big hit, they're like on that fan base. They're buying the jersey. They're going down and buying Bulls barbecue. Stop showing up. Stop going to these fucking games and supporting these teams that do nothing for you. If they don't perform,
0: don't go. I think like those personalities that that you speak of. I think they hold hold a stake or or hold a fork in the mentality of the of the broader part of the fan base, and and being yep. so extreme and being so so high and so low, uh, and and they're the same people that would say like oh we're 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 pessimists or or we're cynical or you don't like to have fun and no one likes us we don't care like I, I love to have fun and I love when my teams win, but like, I I can't look, I can't look at a three game sweep in June and, and think like, Oh, we got a playoff team on our hands. Like we, we got, a, we got a lot of work to do.
1: No. And they still haven't earned, they still haven't earned cash. Like I'm not going to get in there and rip a Schmitter and pay 50 bucks in parking. Like
0: how about you rattle off 10 or 11 out of 12? But you're, you don't like to have fun. You're, you're not allowed. No, no I like you're, to have fun. I you're, mean, you're no fun. Yeah, I'm no fun. The Phillies are still four or five games under five hundred, but I'm no fun. Dude, what's joke, what's no fun is watching this team every night. That's yeah. what's not fun. It's fun it's they had a fun weekend, but you could tune back back in tomorrow, Tuesday. They got the Brewers, uh, a formidable opponent and it's the weeknight, not as many people will be tuned in and and everyone will just forget when they when they lose two of three or whatever happens. It may maybe they maybe it starts a run, but like I'll I'll end I'll end this conversation for me at this like I I don't want to talk I don't want to talk about the Phillies being back or or going to the playoffs until they're five games over five hundred.
1: Well, they be, they better be five hundred or better by the All Star break. Um, that's all I got to say. And I'll close by just asking a question: Do you think do you think the Sixers broke the uh the mindset of of the Philadelphia fan base or at least a portion of these folks, the loudest? Uh, the the craziest online, the hyperbolic bozos. Do you think that Sam Hankey and the process forever changed what it is Philadelphia puts up with?
0: It might be. I I don't know. Yeah, I mean it it, cer- it certainly could be because everyone just tries to find, you know, the chicken and the chicken shit. Like that that's what we do. That's <laughs> that's what we do on Twitter. That's what we do on the radio and everything like that. And yeah, I mean that, that entire, that entire movement, uh, of accepting losing to accumulate assets. I I think there's a time and a place, but to, to to do it in the, in the full bore and and to like take pride in it and, and really make it a movement and like soak in it and gloat in it. It is disgusting. and, yeah, I I think maybe it has changed changed a bit of the fan base, for the worse. Because, and I'll go back to you, and, and and you'll love me for this, but the Eagles, folks would never put up with that bullshit. Wouldn't happen. But you got the Phillies. You know, they 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 can be eleven games out, win win a series, and, and they're supposed to be back. And the Sixers, you know, they, they got eight first round picks over the next three years. They're they're back. Um. And it's, it's even happened with, like, the Flyers a little bit. Like, people people will talk up, you know, you talked last week about Carter Hart and all the world junior accolades, and well, <laughs> everybody's a prospect that's done this and done that. And we'll transition to NHL now. I think this is the perfect time. I mean, look at the New York Rangers right now. That That's a team that was in the Eastern Conference final, pushing to the Stanley Cup final under Alain Vigneault. Um, and then – they fell off, and they committed to like a two to three year rebuild, and they they've surpassed the Flyers with flying colors in, in no time. They they literally did a two to three year rebuild. They they got lucky a little bit in the draft lottery with some picks, but they made it happen fast. And here they are; they're up two to one in the Eastern Conference final over Tampa Bay, while the Flyers with Hextall committed to this you know, hybrid rebuild and keep Jake and, and Drew to try to stay competitive and still make the playoffs while still drafting and developing. And it's totally fallen flat and the Rangers just in no time are right back, you know, being relevant. The, th- the
1: thing Philadelphia fans need to realize is it's, it's not good enough to, we talked about accumulating assets. It's not good enough to do that. It's also not good enough to be young, Like, we hear that a lot in hockey. Oh, they're young. Well, guess what? The New York Rangers lead the NHL this postseason in most points by players 22 and younger. So, we're not talking about just being young. We're talking about guys that are putting the puck on the tape, setting guys up, putting the puck in the back of the net. Uh, Through uh, Game 2, they have 33 points from players 22 and younger. Now, the second-place team, obviously, they knocked them out. Uh, Carolina Hurricanes, 15 points. Edmonton Oilers, twelve points. So the Rangers go through this rebuild, uh, and and and, it, and it's not not just a rebuild for the sake of a rebuild. It's not just youth to get younger, right? It's youth and performance. And for some reason, Philadelphia, you can't fucking figure that out.
0: The other the other thing that's like disgusting about the whole Rangers thing is how they go from Henrik Lundqvist to Shisterkin. Uh and then they got Mika Zibanejad. They, they traded for him from Ottawa a few years back, and they gave Ottawa Derek Brassard, And I think Ottawa threw in a sweetener, like a second-round pick. <laughs> and then last summer you got Chuck Fletcher signing, washed Derek Broussard to like a one-year, it was probably like a league minimum or a little over. But a guy that the Rangers was a prominent piece on those Ranger teams when they were making good runs they shipped him out, brought in Zabinajad. Zabinajad is now like the best player on the Rangers as they're back to being relevant, back to making a Stanley Cup final run. And then the Flyers just picking up a scrap. That I mean, that the Rangers tossed away when he was still good like five years ago.
1: Other than the Eagles, none of none of these teams could ever be accused of fleecing another team in a trade or a free agent pickup. Like we always pay top of the top buck for every free agent and you could never say that a Philadelphia GM ever fleeced – it's only Howie. It's only Howie that ever fleeces somebody, uh, you know, with a trade. And You look at the Phillies, you look at the Flyers, the Sixers, they never win exchanges with other teams ever because their player valuation process, to your point, is just dead wrong. Terrible.
0: But, yeah, Eastern Conference Final, Rangers are up now 2-1, to one, Tampa Bay uh, with the win in Game 3. At home, 3-2, to two. Andre Palat buries the goal with about 40 seconds left in, in regulation to uh, avoid falling in, in a 3-0 hole there. Rangers were up 2-0 in the game. Uh, Tampa Bay claws back uh, and, and eventually wins it there. A lot, lot of lot of penalties in that game, goalie interference, questionable calls. Uh, a lot of. I think the first four goals were all power play goals by both sides, um, but... I've been impressed with the Rangers. I know I said last week we recorded as, game, as the puck dropped on game one. I mean, the Rangers took it to them in game one, 6-2. to two. Friday night, Tampa Bay comes out with, like, the first nine or ten shots in game two, and then the Rangers dominate from there and ultimately get that win. And then Sunday afternoon, I mean, yes, Tampa Bay gets the win, but they're not, like, snapping it around and playing the clean games that you're used to seeing out of them. And maybe they had to ease their way back in. To, to these games after the layoff after sweep in Florida but I I've been really impressed with the Rangers it kills me to say it you know my 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 best friend Ranger Rob he's a Ranger fan and we've been bickering at each other for the better part of 25 years about this shit and like I said I got to watch his team rebuild in 2 to 3 years and I got to watch my team just continue to you know run in a circle uh and and do nothing but they've been super impressive uh, their third line—it's all kids. Hiedel, La- Lafreniere, Kako—it's all that under twenty-two guys that are putting up points, contributing in big time in big time games. And I don't know. I mean, I, I still think Tampa Bay has another gear to get to and c- can ultimately win the series. But the Rangers have have done everything and, and more uh, than I thought that they could do in this series so far, being up two to one.
1: Is there any part of you that feels responsible for the Flyers?
0: No. I, I had a partial season ticket plan. Uh, it was kind of as, like, the Proverovs and the Sandheims and the Konechnys were getting to, like, their third, fourth year. So, I thought we'd get a little bump. I did see a playoff game one of those years. Um, and then I think the year – it was the, the year they lost to Pittsburgh in the first round, and then the year after that, no playoffs. I said, I'm done. What year was that? I guess that was 19, 2019.
1: I seem to remember a stadium series game that you went to, and there was a lot of hype over Claude Giroux stuffing in a goal. They had the picture that looked like it was Photoshopped. I mean, it's never a good sign when you think that a picture of you stuffing a game-winning goal in a Flyers sweater is Photoshopped. But you were there. You were supporting it. I mean.
0: That was my last year. That was it? Yeah, that was, that was February 2019, I believe.
1: I guess I can't kill you that bad. But, I mean, yeah, I mean, Ranger Rob. Gave up on this team. Let's just call it what it is. He gave up on the team. And you know what? They didn't give up on Ranger Rob. So
0: good for him. I'm happy for him. I, w- I watched the first two periods with him yesterday. And uh, I- I'll tell you what. It- it's it's actually fun to watch a game with a fan who's got a horse in the race. Yep. Because I haven't felt what I saw watching him, watching the game. He's on the edge of his seat. He's jumping out of his seat. He's stepping on a dog bone when he thought a puck went in and he's grabbing his foot and oh! But you know, I haven't felt that kind of energy watching flyers hockey in like Christ, even, even the couple playoff appearances in like 16 and 18, they, they, they were, they were low energy.
1: The bubble, they were totally dominated by New York Islanders. Yeah. The
0: bubble was low energy. I mean, it's been since like they took the Rangers to seven in 2014 that you really thought the team had any juice. Um, but ha- happy to see, uh, happy to see a friend, you know, all fired up and getting to, to enjoy the game in, in that fashion. Um, over in the West, Edmonton had their chance, man. They stink. Saturday night, they're down two zero. You know, the, the the Edmonton faithful, they got Rogers Place rocking. It's the sea of orange. Uh, Connor McDavid buries the goal forty seconds into the game. They go one nothing, and then shortly after that, Evander Kane buries. Nazem Kadri into the boards, puts the avalanche on like a four-minute power play. I believe Edmonton ultimately killed it off, but I think it killed all their momentum. Kadri's out now. Vander Kane suspended uh, for game four tonight here, Monday night. And the Avs chipped away, got the 2-1 lead uh, in game three. And Edmonton scores in the third, middle of the third on a, on a cheapo to tie it up. And then they get a power play late in the third and they're peppering, they ultimately hit the post, and the abs get control of the puck, and they find Confer out of the box. And it's Confer and, and Bouchard, who's like a big-ass defenseman, competing for a puck along the wall late in the game, and Confer's this little guy. He outmuscles Bouchard. Bouchard kind of stays with him, though. He doesn't get, get a clean breakaway. And Mike Smith lets one in between the legs. So it, it was kind of just like a total... I don't know the word I'm looking for, like a, a summary basically of like how the series has been for Edmonton, yeah, it's a microcosm, a microcosm, uh, of at least how that game was. Cause people are getting on Smith. I think Smith's been fine. He's let in some cheap ones, but he's made some incredible saves. Uh, but to see a defenseman with a great size advantage, get out, muscle for a puck. And then the guy takes it in, slips in a cheapo and totally breaks the back of the Edmonton Oilers. It was pathetic. And I know he's banged up, but that dry cycle on Edmonton, he's laboring and stuff. But in game two, a lot of terrible passes. Game three, he's moping around. Um, not impressed. He's been dogging it. McDavid scored the goal in game. Oh,
1: he's German. He's not used to, you know, finishing a long, you know, war and victory, right? <laughs> I mean, just call it what it is.
0: He's been dogging it. Um, McDavid had the goal, but Colorado's done a nice job on him. Obviously, they they got a bunch of studs on defense. McCarr, we mentioned, Devontae's, Bo Byram's a, a, a young guy, another early pick uh, that was probably in, in one of those drafts where the Flyers might have been able to have a chance to get a guy like that. I don't know about him specifically, but, again, to your point, just young guys producing in, in big moments um, for Colorado to supplement the studs, McKinnon, Ranting Landeskog uh, game four tonight.
1: I just want to say something too. It's it's not only that the Flyers or Philadelphia fans don't perform here, um, and that they lose here. It's that they lose even when they select their next destination. Uh, for Claude Giroux to select the Florida Panthers when this Colorado team was an option is absolutely disgusting. I want to be on the record and just say that. We, we briefly highlighted it before, but the more I watch this team and how they play, that guy is a loser. That guy's a career loser, and I think it's a total disgrace, not only how he held the Philadelphia Flyers hostage to get him to his little uh, uh, momentous game, a 1,000 games, but also how he selected you know Florida uh, instead of Colorado. I mean, the, guy, the guy's a loser in everything that he does. So, we'll, we'll just call it for what it is. You know, you don't have to say it. I know you're a G guy. But the more you watch this, the more you have to wonder, like, what are these guys that wear that orange and black? What are they really all about? Because it ain't winning.
0: No, it's certainly not. Um, but, yeah, game four, Edmonton, Colorado, tonight, Monday night, dropped shortly here as we're recording. Most people will probably hear this after that game, but I, I think Colorado – Cleans it up tonight, taps in the uh, the old par putt, gets the sweep. But, yeah, I mean, talking about Giroux, and we were talking about young guys earlier, like Giroux was that young guy on, like, the team that went to the cup final in 2010 and, and supplemented the Danny Briers, the Richards, the Carters, the Prongers on that team. And then, like, for some reason, the Flyers just invested in, every, in building everything around him. around him when he really... Was just, like, a great role player.
1: He was a third-line third line player.
0: Yeah. Which I think, in his career, like, ultimately was probably a stud second-liner, fringe first-liner at times. But just can never build it the right way in this city, at, at, least, at least with that team. Um,
1: I, Don't worry, though. Richards and, and Carter, uh, they didn't win anything anywhere else.
0: No. No, they, they they didn't they didn't bring the Stanley Cup down to the sea aisle or or Avalon or across the fucking country to rub it in everybody's face. Um, I'm still holding strong on my my Tampa Bay pick. I think they're gonna hit another gear ultimately get this done. But like I said, been impressed with the Rangers. I don't know. Do you have anything else, Bob? That's all I got. Uh, live golf. We mentioned it last week. Uh, first event is this weekend, I believe, in London.
1: Monster news. I mean, unbelievable.
0: Uh, today, Monday, we got Phil Mickelson and Ricky Fowler committing to to join the uh, the Live Golf Tour. I believe over the weekend, Kevin Na announced that he's going to join the Live Golf Tour. And resigned from the PGA Tour. I got,
1: unbelievable.
0: I got a good, a good chuckle. I, don't, I I didn't save the tweet or, or screenshot or anything for the pod, but somebody m- made a good joke about Na leaving the PGA. He's like, oh, the... The pace of play will finally pick up in the PGA Tour <laughs> <laughs> now that Kevin the House gone.
1: Yeah, I don't. I don't think he had many friends on on tour uh, because of that because of that reason. But then again, the pace of play always picks up whenever you're. It's a shotgun start, so you know,
0: have somebody people, on your ass. People
1: aren't waiting around for not to tee off and the next group and this group. Shotgun start, baby.
0: Yeah, and I think, like, some of the numbers are starting to come out about the, the dollars flying around. I saw, I saw something that Dustin Johnson's getting more in his live golf deal than Tiger Woods earned in his entire career on the PGA Tour. Yep. How about that? Phil Mickelson, I think, getting 200 mil from live golf. Um, just some, some big money flying around, so like I said last week i I don't know how to feel i'm gonna I'm gonna check it out I like watching people play golf I don't really care when where or why um these guys are the best at what they do and they'll they'll decide where the, where they want to play and people will watch or people won't watch
1: yeah and I think as of recording we have not heard the broadcast partner unless you have but no. I've heard uh you know they will be streaming it on uh, you know the website and also on YouTube. Not sure if they found a network partner yet, quite yet. Uh, certainly, probably some sponsor dollars at stake for whatever network decides to air it. But you know, if they do, my opinion ratings will boom. I mean, I can't wait to watch Phil. I can't wait to watch DJ. Uh, you know, it's like the it's like it's kind of like wrestling, man. When they had that bad boy, the bad boy. What was it? The NWO. Blah blah blah. You know what I mean? WWF. It was like you know. This, let's just turn this whole thing into, like, the bad
0: boys of golf. The confederation. Yeah, man. Yeah, it, it, it'll be interesting to see, but you got anything else on that, I don't, I don't think I do. We had Billy Ho win the memorial over the weekend.
1: I can't stand that fucker.
0: It was nice to see him with his family. He's an asshole. On, on the green.
1: Oh, yeah, nice to see him. Finally, <laughs> he's not wailing a fucking 7-iron into his caddy. He's a prick. <laughs> with his stupid pants that he wears at every... I just can't stand that guy.
0: Show some love for Billy Ho, man. Fuck Billy Ho. Uh anything else to get to tonight? Any bones to pick this week, dude?
1: Nah, we 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 well picked them in, in our analysis of the, the the Philadelphia fan, the mentality, the enjoy the ride folks. Um I can't say that I had anything go on in my life that rose to the level of a bone to pick of the week. I mean, do you have a bone?
0: No, nah, I don't think so. I, I can't really think of anything. I mean, I just I drive around every day, and people are swerving into my lane and blowing four four-way stop signs. I mean, I I could pick that bone seven days a week, three sixty-five, but.
1: You think that's due to the vehicle that you drive? Because I don't have that issue.
0: Uh, yeah. I mean, people don't want to r- run into a big-ass truck. They might want to take out like a like an old lemon like me. But <laughs> I, I think it's just a lack of lack of awareness. Everybody's looking at their phone. Uh, you know, you got seniors on the road that need to be retested. Um, just happens, but now no specific bone. Uh, but I will get the shamrock sun plug in cause I did do some driving this weekend. And now that the weather's wow. nice, I got the windows down. I got the shorts on. Maybe I'm wearing two small shorts. I don't know. But you know, I, when I sit down, my shorts, they ride up the thigh a little bit. I got a sunburn on my left thigh. The thigh exposed to the sun coming in from the window being down in the car. So from now on, the rest of the year, rest of the summer, I'm going to be driving with my big-ass bottle of Shamrock Sun in the center console and slap that shit on when I'm driving right on the thigh and maybe on the left arm too because I'm an arm-out-the-window guy, you know, enjoying the, uh, enjoying the nice weather. Uh, but, yeah, Shamrock Sun, 50 SPF, gigantic bottle. I know it's going to last me all summer in the car Maybe I'll get one for the beach, get one for the for the locker room at the country club. You know, where, wherever you need it, you can get it. It's on Amazon. It's at shamrocksun.com. You can check them out on Instagram. Um, it hurts to not be transitioning to a bone to pick of the week after the Shamrocksun plug.
1: Well, gee, I'll just add uh, skin cancer, uh, you know, something that really should always be caught. Uh, May was Skin Cancer Awareness Month. We're talking about sunscreen. We're talking about sunburn. If you haven't already, you know, go get your annual, uh, uh, you know, skin checked by a dermatologist. You brought up the driving. Uh, just, so, just so people are aware of, you know, the effects of, uh, of UV radiation while you're driving. You know, there's a huge incidence of skin cancer in truck drivers, people with CDLs and there's a a higher incidence of left-sided skin cancers uh you know your left arm your the left side of your face the left ear so there is something to that and i appreciate you sharing that it's very important that people put sunscreen on if they're going to spend any considerable amount of time whether it's 10 minutes 15 minutes 30 minutes driving around and uh yeah you got to be cognizant of it wear a long sleeve shirt wear a hat something that protects your ears your neck the left side of your face uh this stuff happens, right? And you're, you're out there for decades driving around. It's important that you protect yourself.
0: Yeah, it's no joke. I think I mentioned it on the pod, plugging plug the screen a couple of weeks ago. But, yeah, I had, had some work done, minor operation done, get, getting some, uh, some atypical skin off the body. It's not fun, so just put the screen on. You don't have to deal with that bullshit. But I think that's all I got tonight. Uh, we'll shut it down. We'll thank everybody for listening. We'll thank Shamrock Sun. We'll thank Menard Premium Detailing. Uh, Wherever you're listening, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, anywhere else, if you can leave a rating, leave a five-star review, uh, we would truly appreciate it. And everybody, just enjoy the week. Uh, And we'll talk to you again next week.